everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy and Charlie here from CS2. Today, I'm super excited. We have a special guest, Liz Medlicott. Liz joins us with over a decade of experience in marketing ops, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have her on. I feel like it's long overdue um, <laughs> to have her share you know, a lot of the lessons she learned in her long career. Today, we're going to be focusing on one topic in particular, though, which is how MOPs can build the business case to get resources they need, um, you know, budget or technology or, you know, having a big team. That's all things that marketing ops people struggle to get. So we're excited to have Liz on to talk about it. Welcome, Liz, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I think for, you know, Liz and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, well, both of us, uh, we uh, Liz has a career probably the same length as, as mine in marketing ops, and we both started out as marketing interns back in the day in 2010 and have pretty much stayed in a marketing technology or marketing ops role. Uh, she started her career at the Mercury News and EMC, uh, then moved on to Inside View. Um, and, and then some other tech companies like Aptis, which is where I met Liz, uh, when CST started consulting with them since then, she's been at a few other startups and is now the director of mops at model N. So a lot of experience, like I said, to pull from, um, and so, you know, to dive into it, Liz, I would love, you know, for you to discuss since with that amount of experience and now that you've chosen MOPS as your career path, like how did you get into marketing operations and what's made you center your career around it and really, you know, go all in? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I get that question a lot, um, especially because 10 years ago, marketing operations was a newer function. I had just graduated from San Jose State and I got my bachelor's in business. I concentrated in marketing. It's funny because I almost concentrated in accounting because I was really good with numbers. I was really good with math, um, but I just couldn't see myself doing you know that day in and day out. So I switched to marketing. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. It was during the recession and there wasn't a lot of jobs. So I applied to pretty much like any entry level marketing job that I could find. Um, I finally heard back from the Mercury News and I took an internship with them even after I graduated just because the job market was so limited then. Um, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And it's funny because it was sort of a general marketing internship, um, not specific to marketing ops, but I did do some marketing ops there where I started our um, external newsletter and we used constant contact. And I didn't even realize I was doing marketing operations at that point. Um, they hired me on as a coordinator full-time, but I, I really wanted to work in the tech industry. Being from Silicon Valley, I my, my dad worked in tech. Um, and so I was just trying to find a role in tech and I didn't really care which part of marketing. And it's funny because I actually ended up taking an internship at EMC, which was a marketing operations internship. And I loved it. And it was awesome because they also gave me the opportunity to try different areas of marketing. So I did some stuff with events, social media, um, and when I was at EMC, we used the very first marketing automation tool, I believe, a Primo, um, but it was really old school. I mean, it was really clunky um, at the time. I don't know how it is now, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I fell into marketing operations. And 
I, I really liked it because I like the idea of problem solving, being able to work cross-functionally with other teams. And it's funny because even though I fell into it, um, there was a time when I was still an intern at EMC and there wasn't headcount to hire me on. And back then there wasn't as many laws to protect interns. So they just kept extending my internship over and mm -hmm. over. And I actually got a phone call one day when I was at my desk from a different division of EMC at this, in the same building on like the third floor. And I think I was on the fourth floor asking um, if I was still looking for a job and if I wanted to interview for a BDR role. And so I went down there and I did the interview. I kind of told my boss, hey, look, like I'm, I really want to get a job, like a full-time job. I graduated from college after you know, almost a year at that point. Like I would love to get like, you know, benefits and all the other perks that come along with being a full-time employee. So I mentioned I was interviewing, did the interview um, and I kind of, you know, I got good feedback and that they were drafting up an offer. So I finally went to my boss and said, hey, you know, I wasn't trying to do this behind your back, but I, you know, think I'm going to get an offer and it's internal with, you know, BDR role. And so I actually ended up getting two offers from the same company, one from, you know, sales and one from marketing. So I had that sort of pivotal moment where I could choose if I still wanted to continue down this path. And I, I chose marketing operations. What made you choose marketing operations in that moment? I, I, you know, I really liked it. I like, I felt like it was using all of the skills that I was good at. So, you know, problem solving, there was some math involved, but then there was also the creative side. And I, I love working with people, but I also, you know, I like being behind the scenes too and, and helping and supporting people, not necessarily selling software. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I'm happy that you made that choice. Otherwise we would have, <laughs> paths would have never crossed. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so I, and I feel like that actually is a good bridge to the topic that we're going to talk about today because, yeah. you know, you saw an opportunity that you needed some support and that is like, I need, you know, benefits. <laughs> I need like support in my real life. I want a job, you know, yeah. I think being able to jump on that opportunity, but also show your value, uh, to then try and get what you wanted um, is really kind of what we're talking about today, which can yeah. be really tricky for marketing ops people. So even like at every level, like we're, we always think, oh, if we work hard, people will notice, and then we'll get the resources that we need. And a lot of times that's not the case. If anything, if you don't make yeah. any noise, no one's going to know there's a problem. So, um, Okay, so let's talk about resources. So yeah. when we talk about resources for MOPS, it's usually around like the technology that they get, the headcount, or even like consulting resources. So, um, you know, what do you think is the most under-resourced area for the marketing operations team? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think it really depends on, you know, the team and where you're at. Um, so for example, you know, you could be a team of one and get a ton of budget for tools, but then finding the time to implement them and the strategy behind them, um, you know, that could be super challenging. So I think in that case, like, you know, you need extra support, whether it be headcount or, you know, a team like your guys, yourselves. Um, and so I think like it really finding that balance on like what you're trying to do. Um, I would say overall, I, I always prefer to work with an agency. And I think that a lot of companies that I've worked with, like I've worked with some companies that really value, you know, that resource. And then other companies who, you know, think that you've been hired for this role, you should be able to do everything. And, 
you know, it, a lot of times that happens with um, teams that don't understand the value of marketing operations. They think, you know, things, if this is a tool that can automate, you know, why are you spending so much time, you know, setting it up and why does it require so many other resources when it's supposed to automate for you? So I think like it really, it really depends, but I found the trickiest part with a lot of companies is trying to get the resources that maybe they think you can already do yourself. Um, but it's, you know, it all depends on your bandwidth and what they're trying to do and in, in what time frame. Yeah, one of the things that I've always um, enjoyed watching, like when I've been working with you, is that you seem to have this like, and this is why we were talking about this topic today, this, this amazing ability to get the resources that you <laughs> need. And I really like what you just said there. It's a kind of all about a balance, right? You could have too much tech and then therefore the resource that you need is like the people. You, you know, this probably happens less where you have enough people. So now you're trying to like get more resources to get the tech to really enable yeah. what you want to do. So it is very much like kind of a balance to match like the people with the technology to make sure you are resourced across the board. Completely. Um, yeah. So yeah, would you have anything else to, to add to that or? Yeah, you know, I think like it also, we've talked about this too. And one of the reasons why I joined Model N was because because you guys were already working with Model N for one. So then I knew I didn't have to ask for that resource necessarily. I mean, I would just have to ask maybe more for more hours, not to bring on a whole new team that they're unfamiliar with, or maybe the company has never worked with, you know, a third party before in this sense. Um, and then also just having a manager who understands the complexities of marketing operations. I've made the mistake in the past with working with managers who've never done this function before or never worked this closely with this function. So they don't understand all the intricacies and detail that it requires. Yeah. And that's actually going to ask kind of a good segue to our next question where we're going to talk <laughs> about like, why do you think MOPS struggles to like get that balance? And, you know, you mentioned there the managers that don't really understand. And you also mentioned that kind of in your answer to the previous question, like, are there any other reasons why you think MOP struggles to get the resources they need? Yeah, I think because what I've seen is like a lot of times, maybe at the end of the quarter, we're looking for something that'll produce ROI immediately or just have really quick results. So maybe we have, you know, an extra X amount of dollars that we need to spend really quickly. They'll throw it at maybe a demand gen program that they think will generate, you know, dollars or pipeline a lot quicker than maybe something like implementing a new tool, which maybe takes months to see results. So I think that's one of the issues. Um, also, just because like we were saying too, it's like, just because you buy a tool doesn't mean that it's like plug and play and you can use it. It requires a lot of other resources. Um, I think, you know, also just understanding that like a lot of these dollars are going to be spread out over the course of multiple years. Once you commit to a tool, you're basically saying like, I'm signing up for this for at least a year, hopefully longer because taking out a tool and replacing it costs a lot of extra dollars as well. So I think, you know, you have to have like a long-term strategy in place to be able to prove that these dollars are going to be invested wisely. Yeah. So then... So then once you're trying to kind of build that long-term plan and, um, you know, you've, you've, you've got an idea of like what your roadmap's going to be from a technology point of view, you're, you're trying to like build the business case and maybe you have a manager. So I know like right now your manager's great. Like she really understands yeah. Leah, like we've worked <laughs> with Leah a long time. So she really gets it, but put yourself in the position where maybe you don't have a manager that really um, kind of understands MOPS. You have to really build that case to get what you need. Like, 
how do you go about doing that? Like, what are the first few yeah. steps? Oh, totally. Um, I, I think, you know, this is even with my manager now, Leah is amazing. And a lot of times, you know, it doesn't take too much of having to prove, but I still like to do my due diligence. So one example is like, we're evaluating an events platform right now. Um, you know, our events team is like really gung ho about one particular tool, but like I basically stepped in and I know that you know, sometimes other teams can be a little bit frustrated because it can take longer, but basically mapping out like, hey, we need to evaluate, you know, at least three other different vendors to make sure that we're making the correct decision. Um, another like example is even maybe say there's not a tool that we're already looking at or a need that anyone else can foresee. But like when I joined, I think we just had gotten rid of lean data because we thought we had a small enough BDR team where we could just build it within Marketo. Um, quickly we realized, you know, when I joined that this was taking me so long to update the routing each time. Um, and then leads were going to the wrong people. Sometimes like leads were going to people who weren't even at the company any longer. So just, you know, what I would do is like document how long it was taking me to update the routing. Also trying to see if I can find examples of leads that went to the wrong people and did not have sufficient follow-up and trying to put a value on that as well, depending on, you know, if they're a target account or, you know, if maybe like, you know, someone we lost, you know, an opportunity to another competitor. So just trying to basically assign dollars to the time that it takes. And then also, you know, like lost dollars on pipeline or follow-up as well. So I think that, that one I actually did have to prove out because, there was another alternative, which was basically free because we already had Marketo. So trying to prove out those dollars and, you know, the time it takes me, it's not worth it. You know, lean data paid for itself fairly quickly. Totally, yeah. yeah. It's, it's translating what's happening into what the business cares about, which is like, you know, money, right? Yeah. Revenue. Like, is there lost exactly. revenue or is there an extra cost associated here? And like you can't just going, oh, this lead got routed incorrectly or, oh, this thing is just really frustrating. Isn't going to get you the budget to get a you know, tool like Lean Data. There's going to be a subscription they're essentially signing up, the business is signing up for indefinitely, right? But if yeah. you come and you say, this opportunity was potentially lost because, you know, someone came in from that company, was routed incorrectly, the follow-up time was poor, or I'm spending, you know, three hours a day and my salary and all everything that goes into that is like this much money. Like if, if I could get that productivity back and then I could work on all of these other, exactly. you know, really high priority projects that you're, you're working on. Um, yeah. Um, um, that kind of reminds me too of, um, and I always think about this a lot of the times when I speak to some of my other clients who are struggling, but I know in a past role, um, we were meeting and you were building out a deck for your yep. CMO to try and show, okay, mm -hmm. You know, if I got these resources, this is how much we could do. If I don't, this is actually what I'm limited to, you know, what I can do and, and really laying it out in a way that shows the kind of value of what Charlie is saying, not even sometimes monetary, but just, you know, productivity wise, like this is what That's we'd brilliant. be missing out on. And I think some, I, I instantly thought how brilliant, cause I think a lot of times as a MOTS person, you don't realize like you know, to take that next step. But what, what made you think about that? Like, did you have anyone who kind of mentored you to come up with idea? Did you come up with that because you felt like you were like, <laughs> <to>? <laughs> well, 
Um, I, I think I was really desperate for dollars at that point. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, um, I, we had a very limited budget when I was at that company. It was a smaller startup. So I feel like I had to be a little bit more scrappy, like in the, in the sense that like, we didn't have as many dollars to go around. I found some overlap in some of the tools. I think that there was like four different sort of tools that did very similar things. So I like mapped out when the end of those contracts would be, which best vendor we should go with and only stick to one of those vendors and then try to repurpose those dollars. But to your question about, did I have a mentor that helped me? I think like the first person that I worked for that really showed me like how to ask for what you want and be able to prove it was Maria. Um, you know, she was like a master negotiator. She also had like amazing connections and still does, but I would sit in the room with her and watch how she would sort of, you know, move budget from one area. And then also like be able to work with the vendor on getting what she wanted. So I think that was, was super valuable to work for her. Yeah. For people that are in B2B, uh, Maria Pergolino, she started her Oh, well, she worked in past jobs, like at Marketo, which is where she was, um, my boss at a certain time. So we share that connection and, uh, now is CMO at active campaign, but, um, at the time, uh, worked at Aptis with Liz and I, I completely agree. I think it's, it's good when you have those kind of role models, I think, especially as a, as a woman, um, and I think there's parallels too, to some personality types and mops where you tend to be. A, you know, a people pleaser, maybe a little bit on the introverted side too, where you, it's hard for you to ask for things. Like it's, it's a very hard thing. Like, like I said, like you always think, oh, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get rewarded for that. Or people will know, uh, know and understand how much I'm struggling. Uh, and that's not always the case. Like you need to be your own champion. And she's always been very much a supporter of that, like market yourself, you know, you to build your personal brand, like let people know who, like what you need, because you're like, you're your best champion. And so I hundred percent, um, learned that from her as well. And I, I think that's one thing that mops people just definitely need to flex that, like really work mm -hmm. on that because, uh, if you don't, you're just going to continue to just be overwhelmed, overworked and under-resourced. Totally. And, you know, I, I still ask for some things that I don't necessarily get right away, but a, a lot of times what I do is I'll, I'll try to foresee the need for something and, you know, start to talk about my pain points before. And then when I know when a new budget cycle is coming up, then I start to like do even more research so like we're planning right now for um, FY22 because our fiscal year starts in October. So, you know, in Q3, I was already talking about some of the things that I wanted to implement for Q1 um, and just kind of keep, you know, that like drumbeat of like, hey, we're having this problem. Like we, we need to figure out a solution, whether it be, you know, adding more dollars to resources like CS2 or let's implement a new tool that can help us with solving whatever problem we're trying to solve. Yeah, so it's a it's a really good example of stuff that we talk about a lot around in in marketing operations. You you can't just be just like the marketo admin, you know, who's just you know doing the the techie stuff and not really thinking outside of that, right? Like maybe the ten years ago we, we could do that, but now you've got to really be thinking. Like you're thinking multiple quarters ahead. You're looking yeah. at the budget. You're really evaluating your tools. You're understanding the needs of the business and how you can you know, build what you need to build to satisfy those needs. And you're having conversations with executives 
and like there's a lot of there's a lot of that like isn't you're not logging into marketo to do that stuff right yeah no <laughs> you know what i mean like it's completely like that business mindset to really think through all of that and um i think that's where a lot of marketing operations people could like chrissy just said like start to flex that muscle a lot more and like learn to do that and make that more of a habit to like grow into that position um like what would you say are some of like the the learnings that you've had especially around like talking to executives yeah. who you might not understand uh. marketing operations give and trying to understand those needs translate that into what you need to do into mops and then translate that back to them to demonstrate what you need to do and what you need yeah you know I think, you know, every executive I've worked for has been very different. Um, I feel really lucky right now because even though Model N has been around for 20 years, um, we really didn't get our first CMO until a couple of years ago. So we're almost like a startup culture within a large organization. So there's, you know, pros and cons of both. Um, I actually really prefer it. But when I joined, um, there was the deck, as you know, the ELT deck. Um, which is our executive leadership deck. And we we basically pull metrics on a weekly basis. And I've never seen a company who's done as detailed reporting where we look at every single opportunity change each week so that we have a pulse on what's going on with our opportunities. We didn't have a BI tool in place. Um, and you know, to get the numbers to match exactly perfectly when you're looking at those changes, you have to pull it at the same time each week. We didn't have any snapshotting put into place or anything like that. And we started to notice some weird errors like week over week because they weren't being pulled exactly the same time. So like an opportunity could be missed or, you know, certain changes could be missed. And um, so basically what, I mean, you guys helped me with this too, is we documented all of the steps that it took to be able to get this into a perfect place. And it was taking, I mean, as you know, there were some weeks where it was taking us hours and hours and it was just we a huge a lot of hours on calls trying to figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah, like Friday night, what's going on with these opportunities? And, and like, if a field wasn't tracked, um, like I know we had certain fields like type where like maybe somebody accidentally inputted an opportunity as a prospect opportunity, but it was really a customer one and that wasn't being tracked. So we were finding all these weird different scenarios and um, cases where we wouldn't be able to track this data. So we basically, you know, presented this to our, to Dave, who's our CMO and to my boss and showed the documentation of how long this was taking and what are the steps that we need to do to, in order to make this so that it's like a smooth process each week. And so when we were able to prove that out, we were able to get dollars to be able to implement Tableau and have, you know, other resources like your team help us with implementing it. Um, and I think without that documentation and really showing them how difficult it is to pull this, I think they had no idea that it was taking this long before I joined or even maybe not necessarily how long it was taking, but that there was, it was more prone to errors also. Mm -hmm. So I think just really showing them a clear picture and documenting um, gave them that visibility that, hey, this is like something that we need to focus on. Yeah, and I think just um, to jump in and also one thing that I observed in that whole process is you're part of a lot of like very, kind of, I mean, that deck is the ELT deck, right? Like that is like a very important, you know, resource that your executive leadership team is using week over week. And you know, marketing ops is there delivering that. And I think having that exposure to all of those executives, proving the value of marketing operations, it gives you that foot in the door to then be able to ask for what you want. And you know, we always talk about like data and analytics is that path to like getting exposure to the CMO and, and the senior leadership team. 
And like, once you do have that exposure and you're proving your value, you're showing how great your work is, you've got a relationship with them. I'm sure it makes it a lot easier to then come knocking on the door with a, with a, a list of a list of asks that you have with dollar signs. Totally. All over them. Oh, totally. And you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like the marketing ops role, at least from my experience has like expanded so much where, you know, I, going back to lean data, like we have a certain amount of licenses. Um, we had even still with a certain amount of licenses in the way we set up routing, a lot of our accounts were assigned to inactive users if they weren't a target account. And so like, I basically was, you know, the person who drove this sort of cleanup of all of our account ownership, even though that's technically a sales ops role, yeah. uh, but I worked really closely and sales ops was great too, but it was just not really a priority for them necessarily. But I'm like, Hey, we need to be in compliance with lean data. Plus this just needs to be cleaned up. So mm -hmm. I feel like the role has expanded a lot um, to where there's a lot of cr cross-functional work. And as you guys know, one of my favorite things that you guys have helped me with, with bringing Allison on is now you guys are able to do a lot of the sales ops work that we would normally have to engage them with um, by creating stuff in our sandbox. And then I just give them a link and they can push it live. And that's been like a game changer across the board. Mm -hmm. So, you know, showing that we can do, you know, help the business, not just within marketing, but also sales, I think really proves the value of what we're doing. So where do you see people go wrong in marketing ops when they're asking for resources, anything come to mind or anything that you've observed or even mistakes that maybe you've made in the past? Yeah, I think um not I think kind of going back to what I said before too is not doing your due diligence. Um, you know, we there's been tools that maybe we've selected that haven't been the best fit. So making sure that you're really clear on what the tool can and can't do. Um, you know, using other third-party resources. Like I've I have a lot of friends now who work at different companies who've used these tools. I reach out to them so I can get personal references. They'll a lot of times hop on calls with me, even with people internally to give their experience. So sort of doing some back channel research on the tools. Um, just because you want to make because, sure. Oh, I was <laughs> gonna ask, maybe you're about to answer it. Sorry, I was gonna ask, like, is that because you don't want to make a mistake and then you kind of lose that? trust with the leadership team and then you it's harder to get the, and your next ask approved yeah i think you know like there's a lot of things can go wrong with tools especially like an example is like an events uh, management tool like if something wrong goes on during your you know customer conference and that's super visible to the rest of the team also if you're you know make a mistake with emails for example like that's so externally facing that it's going to get back up a lot of times to the executive team um, so I think trying to make sure that you are, you know, I always try to be honest when I make mistakes and own up to it so that there's that level of trust. Um, I try to learn from my mistakes also. I've of course made like every mistake that you can probably in marketing ops over the last 10 years, but just making sure that you learn from it and try not to make that mistake again so that you build that level of trust. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely speak on behalf of also like maybe the wrong thing to do too, because I see this a lot with people and it's hard once you get burnout a bit, the conversations that then come up, especially when you report to someone who doesn't really understand the ins and outs of marketing ops, it can start to become like, why isn't this project happening on time? Why is this yeah. taking so long? And then you come become a little bit defensive to say like, I'm working my butt off. I just, I'm doing all of these things. And like, do you realize yeah. how long they take to do them? And then it becomes a 
uh, a thing for your boss to just go and try and figure out. And, and for me in the past, that was, they went without consulting me and got a, an agency to just work on a few projects. But I think in, in some cases that didn't help me because then I had to manage the agency in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, it was part of the reason why we started CS2. Cause I was like, Oh, that was not what I needed, but yeah. all things aside, I think what would have been the better case is to really articulate like what you're talking about and think about what do I need and come with a solution instead of just feeling a bit on the defense and saying, I need help. And a lot of that was in hindsight, it was a bit of burnout. So for anyone who do, does yeah. feel a little bit burnt out, just take the time, like do some research, think about what resources could really be valuable to you because it's not just one, one way. Like there are a lot of different types of uh, agencies. Maybe it's a contractor, maybe it's different tools. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do to maybe help out with um the overwhelm that you're experiencing yeah well you know it's funny that you say that too because um we are actually still hiring for a marketing operations manager role and the market is so hot right now um so and i was also gone on vacation for a little bit but i you know i took i spoke to charlie and i know you guys are also probably still hiring i'm assuming because it seems like you guys are growing like crazy still um, but that's like a good example where I've been trying to think creatively of how to source headcount. And Charlie gave me a couple of resources. Um, I know like Sloan staffing, we're actually going to be working with them. And then also, um, Toby at, um, highway, highway education, mm -hmm. highway education. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, brought that those, both of those, you know, options to Leah, my manager. And she was like, you know, I love that you're thinking creatively about how to fill this role. And, you know, I'm excited to start working with them. And that's maybe something that I wouldn't have thought of a couple of years ago too. So just trying to figure out other ways where you can sort of get what you want. <laughs> if you had to choose between tools or, or headcount or agency or any type of resource <laughs> you had to choose um and i know this is like a very generic question because it's very it's, obviously it depends but yeah what's what do you think is like that you would go for if you had well i i think you guys already know too that like i'm not ever going to work at a company where probably i can't use you guys as a re resource because <laughs> Because, you know, it's, it's one thing too, like if you get a, the dollars for a tool, but there's always going to be also another tool that can probably do what you want it to do. Or you can also build it in-house, which I prefer to obviously try to automate as much as I can, but I don't have the time to go and research everything that's up to date with marketing operations. And you guys are working with, I don't even know how many clients and you have so many people from so many different backgrounds that it's like exponentially increasing your knowledge um, share of marketing operations. I mean, even if you look at what I was doing, you know, a couple of years ago, it's changed so much in the last couple of years. And I feel like it's going to continue to grow. You know, that infographic with all of the different like sales and marketing tools has just like exploded compared to what it was, you know, a couple of years ago. So I think just trying to navigate all of that um, is really difficult when you're a team of one, or maybe if you, even if I had just me and a junior person to find the time to be able to know what the best way to do something is, um, is difficult. That's why, you know, I love that I'm able to bounce, even if, you know, I don't have you guys as the main um, person working on a project, I can at least bounce ideas off of you guys to make sure that I'm headed in the right direction. Well, your check will be in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't pay her to say that just everyone right. we didn't budge that <laughs> yeah no i know customer testimonial right there um yeah, well, that's, uh, i think that it it's a good point because and, and that's what i mean about thinking about what resources you really need because in some cases it is good to have a resource that you can tap for just like knowledge and then you can take that and even start to execute yourself or for some other companies it might be oh we already have the leadership who can make that those strategic decisions but we have a ton of you know just work that needs to be done for campaign operations and another type of agency might be better yeah. for them so really it just um depends on what you need so and finding the space to think about it right totally. yeah. you have that plan where you're thinking quarters out and you're building the plan I also feel like it's like insurance for yourself because like when I joined you, you know, you already had a really good relationship with Leah. So like if I'm pushing back on something and I have your support, who is also an expert in it, you know, it's sort of like, okay, you know what, this is like a consensus of the team and, you know, somebody who is also like a little bit removed from the company who can sort of back you up. Um, I think that that's helped, you know, with everything that I've done so far at Model M really. Right. Yeah. Well, I, any last piece of advice, uh, Liz, for those who are listening, who are feeling like they really need some resources or any like words of hope for them? <laughs> I feel like, you know, the biggest thing that's helped me is just like expanding my network. Um, I don't usually add people on um, LinkedIn if I don't know them. Maybe sometimes if they like listen to a podcast, but I try to keep my LinkedIn, like a little bit clean. Um, but I will always add marketing ops people if they request me, because like, I love to see the content that they post. Um, I feel like I know who like the main leaders are in marketing operations because, um, like yourselves, you guys put out such great, amazing content and the marketing ops um, field is so small that I feel like a lot of people know each other. And I have multiple connections that I can text. If I have a question, I still keep in touch with all my old coworkers. So I think just maintaining that network will really help a lot too, because um, it's great to hear what other people are doing. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue to the end. So, <laughs> I mean, if you are marketing ops, you can connect with Liz. Yes, only you if you're marketing ops. <laughs> to search for her. We'll have a link to uh, her LinkedIn in the description of the podcast if you didn't already see it. Um, but it's just Elizabeth Medlicott and she works at Model N, like we've said a few times. Um, but yeah, this was great. I think super important for everyone. And yeah, we're, I'm sure we're going to have a part two with you, Liz, but thank yeah, you so much that. for spending time with us today. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of forward thinking, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.